You know, there is, is one truth that a person must believe to be saved, and it's uh, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. When you read the scriptures, it's not a difficult thing. And, <clears throat> you know, sometimes I think we try to, to make it more difficult than this. But what do they believe? Believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. So what is it that they really believe? <laughs> that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And uh, by doing so, they trust Christ and, and, and place their faith in him. And, you know, as I was growing up, uh, I grew up in a very small community, uh, smaller than actually Minster, Ohio. And it was a very poor community and uh, a lot of coal miners and, and a lot of those things, a lot of steel mill workers and those kind of things. Very blue collar in nature uh, where we grew up. And uh, I shared with you many times uh, that the Coke ovens and the coal, uh, the ash dumps were our playground, and uh, the river was behind us, the railroad tracks were in front of us, and I mean, that was just our playground, that's just where we kind of hung out, and uh, you know, I remember a bus coming through there, and uh, I'm grateful, Jimmy is going this week, I want all of you to pray, he's getting his, uh, his, his stamp to be able to drive the bus, amen, and so I want to get another bus on the road, and so you say, why are we doing that? <laughs> because we need to, amen, <laughs> and uh, I want to see if we can't get over into Fort Laramie there and start winning some souls to Christ and start getting some people uh, from over in that area to start coming to church here. And uh, we can start with the youth, but we want to reach the homes. I'm grateful to Miss Vicki for the work that she does. Amen. And week after week, just faithful. Her and Laura going and visiting and doing all that they do and uh, makes it easier when I go and knock on those doors and go to those homes. Uh, and I want you to pray. I've been up there, uh, Miss Pam, just up to the stir walls again. I'm trying so hard. Uh, Chris's testimony really affected Paul. Paul prayed and asked Christ to save I want to try to get them in church. Amen. They need to be here. And, uh, and so I'm not going to stop praying for them. I'm not going to stop pushing and trying. And, and you say, why would you do that? Because God told me to. Amen. <laughs> I'm going to try to reach people with the gospel. I'm going to try to encourage people to come to church. And good to see Miss Burks here tonight. Amen. There she sits right in the back. And just went by her place the other day and, and uh, talked to Greg out in the front yard. He was mowing the lawn. And uh, Greg said that you all used to bring him here as well, that you brought him to this church. And so uh, just grateful Penny's here tonight. Amen. And uh, so we just want to keep on praying. Uh, God's starting to move, folks, and we just need to be aware of what God's doing. And so let's just keep at it. And the reason I share all that with you, I grew up in an area where uh, they used to run a bus down and pick us kids up. You know, we were the two left shoe kids. We were on the other side of the track. You know, whenever you hear, oh, those people live on the other side, that we were the kids. Amen. We lived on the other side of the track. I never knew what that meant until I grew up. I realized I lived on the other side of the tracks. And so, uh, but we grew up. I had five brothers and four sisters. They ran a bus down, tried to take all of us to church and we were a bunch of mongrels I mean we'd get on that bus and I was a little hellion and I mean I gave that bus driver more heartache and heartburn he probably took more Pepto-Bismol just because I rode on that bus than anybody and uh, but the thing of it is is that we need to reach out to people because we never know what life is going to be affected that God wants to use amen and so age is not a factor for God so I want you to understand as I read the scriptures and I see this that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead thou shalt be saved God doesn't say in verse 13, for if this person is of status or this person is such and such color, or if this person has this in their background or they have this wealth or they, no, he said, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. What their background is, is not important to God. And so when I look at this position, status, fame, wealth, poverty, uh, not any of those things really matter to Christ at all. He cares about where they're placing their faith and their trust. And boy, when we go out, we have to, in, in essence, almost put a set of blinders on. 
And that is, is that we don't look at the outward, but we try to see things as God sees them. Amen? Every person that is out there, regardless of their background, their nature, whatever it may be, God is in the business of saving souls. Amen? And so he wants to win people to Christ. Imagine, as I mentioned to you this morning, just about the Ninevites. What kind of an area was that like that he was sending Jonah into? And, you know, you think about it. We get on Jonah a little bit uh, about this whole deal. But, man, being reluctant to go to the Ninevites, yeah, because they killed his dad. And, and, and I mean, they were a brutal people. And this man was going to go in and he was going to win these people to the Lord. I mean, that's a difficult task, isn't it? But we have to almost have a set of blinders on. We cannot look at people in that sense. We have to look at them through the eyes of our Heavenly Father, knowing that this soul can be saved. As we think about this, people are saved in their position, their wealth, their fame, their poverty. It doesn't matter. So here's what I'm ch uh, challenging us with. I, I told you this morning. I went over, I had a great conversation with Ernesto over at Casa Lapita. Uh, I've invited Ernesto, uh, Ernesto to come to uh, the revival. And, and I told him, I said, man, I, I visited you hundreds of times. I said, I don't know how much money our church spends over here. I said, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm going after him, man. And I, you know, I, I don't know how much money our church has spent in that place. I'm sure we could probably build another building with as many people go over there. I go over there on Sunday afternoon. I mean, it's like meeting here sometimes. I'm like, good night. We might as well just hold service here at Casa Lapita. And, uh, but the thing of it is, is that Ernesto needs Christ, doesn't he? And so I want you to pray that he come. I'm gonna say, I said, listen, just come one time. Just one time. Hey, listen, sometimes that's all it takes. Amen. And God can get a hold of that heart. But listen, let's just keep praying. And listen, you, you add him to your prayer list. That list of names I gave you. Just put his name on there. Ask God to bring him to at least a service. Uh, he spoke to... Um, I can see his face. His name's escaped my mind again. Uh, but he was standing there right beside him. He asked him if he would come with him. And I thought, well, that's great. Invite the whole store. Amen? And we'll just bring everybody over. Bring Casa Lapita over. We'll just have that after for lunch. Amen? Because we're coming over there anyway. So, and, uh, but anyway, here's what I want to challenge us with. Are you making a personal effort to reach others with the message of salvation? Make a personal effort. We go out. You know, we have these planned meetings. And, you know, like on Saturdays. And we're going out. And we're door knocking and that kind of stuff. But listen... You have a personal responsibility just to give out tracts, to give the gospel to other people, friends and family, coworkers, neighbors, whomever it may be. You want to reach them. So praying that the Lord will not only do that, but he'll bring forth revival. Revival really affects us. That's us being quickened. That's us coming alive again. And so as we approach this time when Brother Dwight's going to come, and it'll be good. I, I, I'm telling you, him and his family, they can sing beautifully. Uh, they can do a lot of things and that kind of stuff. And he's a wonderful preacher and all those things. But if we don't have the right spirit about us. We want to come in with the right attitude, right heart, saying, God, we sincerely are asking you to do something in our midst, and we're asking God to do something. I ask God to bring Penny Burks to church, and she's here tonight. Amen. She's sitting in the back of my auditorium tonight. Amen. That's no accident. God did that. Amen? There's nothing special about me. I got a very special God. Amen? Amen. And Penny's here tonight. And boy, we ought to rejoice in the fact that God decided to bring Penny here tonight. Penny didn't even decide to bring herself. God decided to bring her. Amen? And the thing of it is, is God can do those things. And so what I'm sharing with you is let's pray. Let's pray with that open heart, just really sensitive to God and asking God to really do something. Now, as you think about this, a person must confess the Lord Jesus Christ. They've got to believe in their heart that God raised him from the dead. And as they call upon his name, God will save them. That's what happened to me on October 12, 1995. It's nothing that, that's any different than what anyone else did. But I believe that Jesus died and rose again. 
Amen? And, and, and I believe that God raised him from the dead. That's what I believe. And that day, God saved my soul. That is the message that we're trying to give to Minster and to Fort Loramie and to New Bremen, to New Knoxville, to the surrounding areas, St. Mary's, all of those. That's the message that we're taking out there. Jesus loves them. Amen? Jesus loves them as much as he loves you. And, and he wants them to trust Christ as his Savior. And he is counting on Calvary to do our part. How shall they hear? That's the question tonight, isn't it? How shall they hear? And so when you think about this, there's some steps that we can take. One of the things is, is that we've got to teach others that they need to confess his name. Confession means that they agree with God. <laughs> and you think about agreeing with God. That's what it means. To confess is to agree with God. Secondly, not only do they agree with God, but they believe something. They believe in his name. They believe that he is who he said he was, that he did what he said he was going to do. And here's what they do. They call upon them. That's praying to him and asking God to save them. That's exactly what happened to me on October 12, 1995. I was in the basement of Loudon Baptist Temple. I was in a counseling meeting with Pastor Nichols and my wife. And John and Marcia Bennett were sitting there. And that night I prayed and I asked Christ to save me. And I remember confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. I remember believing what I had read that night. I remember now asking him to save me from an eternal hell. And listen, it's not hard. It's just truth, isn't it? And, and we just have to share that truth with other people as well. And listen, it's hard for us sometimes because, you know, we get uncomfortable. We're thinking, I wonder what they're going to think about me. Anybody ever done that? I wonder what they're going to think about me when I begin to tell them about him. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Amen? Let's bring ourselves to that place. When we come to that place, listen, God begins to work. And I want you to think about this. First of all, let's just think about the confession of his name. And the word of God, by the way, it is not complicated. It really isn't. You know what it takes? A desire to read it and understand it. <laughs> and really, as we begin to read God's word, God begins to work. And listen, it's a simple truth. And to confess is to acknowledge or to agree with God. And I think about Romans 9, 8. He said that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. And then he says in Romans 10, he says, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Agreement with God is made at that moment, isn't it? So I'm just agreeing with God that this is what's being brought into my life, but it's by the power of God and the, and the work of Christ on the cross. You know, when I think about this, Saul, uh, later Paul, confessed Jesus as Lord, and Jesus responded as Lord when he addressed Paul. And you think about this. Let me give you these verses, and you can write these down. Acts 9, 4 through 5. And he fell to the earth... And heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, now think about this, who art thou, Lord? He immediately recognized it, didn't he? And he said, who art thou, Lord? <laughs> and the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. You know, when I read the scriptures and I think that he's not afraid to be equal with God... <laughs> <laughs> Why wasn't he afraid? Well, here's a good example. Jesus has already ascended into heaven, hadn't he? And at this point, what does he say? Who art thou, Lord? And he says, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. <laughs> That's who he's persecuting. And he, and he says to him, it is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. You know, uh, this was a device that was just a, had a little spike on it. They would move animals along with that. And, and you know, if you'd poke yourself with it, it hurts. And so he said, it's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he's saying, hey, listen, you're trying to push against something that's really harming you, Paul. 
And, and what you have to understand is I'm trying to bring you to me. And then he was used of God in a great way. And, and when I began to think about this, you know, and I mentioned this this morning in the message, there is a day approaching, folks. And listen, it's coming. And, and God's word is true. There is a day of the Lord coming. Amen. And, and, and listen, the rapture will occur and, and Jesus will come again. And, and, and listen, the dead in Christ shall rise. You know, that trump's going to sound. And, you know, in the twinkling of an eye, all this stuff's going to take place. Listen, his word will not fail. All of this is going to take place. And it's appointed unto men once to die. And listen, everybody will stand in judgment before Jesus Christ, the one who died for them. And, and they'll stand in one of two places, folks. They're going to stand in salvation. They'll stand at the beam of seat of Christ. And they'll stand at the great white throne judgment that day. And what I want you to understand is the reason we're going out, the reason we're taking this message out is how many of you want your family standing at the great white throne judgment? It's going to be a terrible day, isn't it? And the great white throne judgment is a day of judgment where Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? He said, turn from me, I never knew you. There's going to come a day when God's going to reconcile all unto himself. In Philippians 2, 9 through 11, Wherefore God hath also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things of earth and things under the earth, and that the, every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That will happen. Amen? And they'll do it in one of two places. And so our role, our goal is to help them come to the place where they're at the beam of seat of Christ. And you know, uh, standing before Jesus Christ, and I, I say standing, I don't know how it's going to take place. I, I see myself almost falling to my face to the earth whenever I, I stand before my Christ. I don't know that I can. And the thing of it is, is we'll stand there and all that we've done in time of salvation, all that we've done, it, it, listen, if it was for the glory of God, if it was for the glory of Christ and not for ourselves, we'll receive a crown that we may lay it at Christ's feet. What a wonderful thing. And I look at this and what's the message that we're taking? Well, listen, the Bible clearly says, and as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment, there's a judgment coming. Now, folks, how shall they hear? How shall they hear? And you know, we can be down on the world. We can be down on the things that are taking place out there. But unless we go out there and get them in here, how are they hearing it? How are they going to hear unless we go? And so the purpose is, is that we go out. These two major judgments will take place, and there's no doubt about it. Every human being will be at one judgment or the other. So confessing while yet living uh, is important. And what it is, is that we're just trying to help them come to the place where they realize who Jesus Christ really is. He is the salvation of the world. Amen. Amen. That's what we're telling them about. That's the message that we're giving to them. Uh, you know, when, when you look in the scriptures and, and you go back into the, into the gospels there and you start reading, and Jesus sent them out two and two. And when he sent them out two and two, he sent them out ahead of himself. And the reason he sent him out ahead of himself was to let them know that he was coming to that town. <laughs> you know, I think about the local church today, and I say to myself, wait a minute, what is God doing? Well, he has us go out. And what is the purpose of us meeting together? Well, that we encourage one another, that we go out. But listen, even as we go out at two and two, what is the message that we're taking? Listen, I want you to know he's coming again. Amen? Amen. And when he shows up this time, he's not coming as a babe in the manger. He's coming as the Lion of Judah. He's coming with a rod of iron this time. He's not coming in that meek spirit and that baby laying in that manger. He's coming in judgment this time. 
And when he comes, he's coming to judge the earth and, and those that are in it. And, and what I'm sharing with you is that really is the message. And to avoid that judgment, to avoid that type of thing, how shall they hear unless we go and tell them? So what is our purpose as a church body? He tells us to go to and to. Listen, we support missions. How many of you want to find out that you have sent a missionary overseas and he's going to the movie theater every Sunday afternoon eating popcorn? Huh? And that's where we're sending our mission money. That would bum you out, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that upset you if I came and I said, hey, guys, listen, I just need to let you know, you know, Mark Tolson's going to be here Wednesday night. But listen, let me tell you what Mark's been doing while he's been in China. Hmm? And if that were his testimony, we'd be upset with him, wouldn't we? What is our expectation when Mark is over in China? Our expectation is, is that he's sharing the gospel with people. That even if he's setting up an underground church or he's teaching English, that people might trust Christ as Savior. Whatever the case may be, whatever his story is, but that he's taking that gospel message to people. Do you know that's the purpose of the church? Amen. Amen. Just as much as we would want our missionaries doing their work on that foreign field, God's expectation is that Calvary Chapel be doing the same thing here. And not just that Mark would do that, but that he's training others to do the same. Amen? That he's teaching them and training them. Let's make a personal effort to reach others with the message of salvation. How do we do that? I think it starts with prayer. We've got to pray. We've got to pray. I appreciate all the men that came tonight. We had a good turnout tonight for prayer. And I'm grateful for all the men that came out tonight. Amen? Amen. And, and, and listen, we spent time in prayer just praying, asking God to do something during the revival. And praying for all of you by name. I've got a couple of fellas in the church right now. And just pray. I'm not going to give you their names. But they're praying and fasting for this revival. <laughs> and they're taking time to read over those names and pray over those names. Man, how shall they hear unless we go? And listen, we want to hear from God. And these men are now praying and fasting and asking God to do something. Amen. Just really seeking the Lord in this thing. So what are we doing? Praying for the Lord to bring forth revival. There is a need to teach them about the difference between works and faith in Christ. Believing in his name. When you look at this passage here and you look at the latter part of verse 9, he says uh, that they uh, confess with their mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. What is that person to believe? What must they believe to be saved? Well, God raised Jesus from the dead. You said, well, I get that preacher. But listen, we have so much evidence in the scriptures of his resurrection. It's real. Amen. Let me give you some verses. You can write these down. I use these around Easter a lot because just to be mindful of the fact that Jesus reminds us about what he's done on the cross. He said in Matthew 28, 5 through 7, he says, For I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. Now think about this. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the what? Dead. Jesus... <laughs> Over in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John did just what now we're hearing the preaching about right here in this book of Romans. And, and Paul's saying, listen, if you'll believe this, this is a man who persecuted the church. This is a man that was putting Christians to death. By his very word, a man could go to jail and be killed or a woman could be killed or a family could be taken out just because 
He did not want them going around spreading the message of this Jesus. And Jesus meets this man on the road to Damascus. And he falls to his face. And he says, who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, the one that thou persecutest. And he said, I want you to get a hold of this message, Paul, because I got a job for you to do, which we just looked at the other night. And you're going to go to these people. And you're going to go to those Gentiles. And you're going to help turn them from darkness to light. You're going to help turn them from Satan unto God. You're going to do what I've called you to do. And listen, that is the purpose of Calvary Chapel. That's why we're here. That's what we're to do. And listen, you say, well, I'm not sure whether they're listening. I'm not sure they listen to Jesus all the time. Amen. I'm not sure they listen to Paul all the time or they listen to Peter all the time. But I know they were putting a message out there. And the very message that they preached that day is the very message that we stand at the pulpit today and preach. Amen. Amen. And when I read this, it says, For I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He's not here, for he's risen. <laughs> he's not in the tomb. And when you go to Mark, he says in Mark 16, 6, You seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He's not here. He's not in a grave. What is it that they are to believe? That he raised him from the what? Dead. And we look in the scriptures and we have proof that that occurred. And, and listen, they didn't understand it. They didn't know what they were do, uh, what was happening. The, the apostles themselves, they were trying to really figure this thing out. I mean, they, they didn't really grasp everything that he had told them in the time that he was teaching them. They didn't understand that he was going to fulfill what he said he was going to fulfill. He says in Luke 24, 6 and 7, he is not here, but is risen. And John, I love the way he does it. In verse uh, chapter 20, verse 9, he says, For as yet ye, uh, they knew not the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. They just didn't get it. And what it is, is that we got a whole world out here that just doesn't get it. And listen, they'll come at Easter or they'll come at Christmas. And listen, it's good. I'm grateful that we have them, you know. But, but the thing of it is, what is Easter really about? We're talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So how shall they hear? Randy Mullins uh, was with me at, uh, at uh, we were then Bayview Baptist Church. And, and then Westmoreland, uh, we changed the name there. <clears throat> Randy and I went out one day and we were just going around and visiting uh, his bus route. And we were approaching Christmas, and uh, we had a special time there. One of the folks in the church went around to all the businesses in the community and, and uh, got them to raise money. And, and so what we did was we had Christmas for our bus kids, and we went out in the community and raised the funds from the businesses in the town. And we wrote them all letters and thank you letters and everything. <clears throat> we had received so much money to buy these gifts that we were able to buy each of the children in our bus ministry at the time. We had about 60 or so that we could buy each of them three gifts. And we told them they could pick one pie in the sky thing. And uh, it was amazing. It was unbelievable what God did uh, in that moment in time. And, and, and as we did all of this, Randy and I went and we knocked on one of the doors and we were sharing uh, the gospel with some folks. And it was the family, one of the children and everything. And they were just really interested in coming to church. They found out we were going to buy all these gifts for the kids and stuff like that. And it was good. But what happened was is that we were in there and we began to talk to them. They had no idea why you really celebrate Christmas. They didn't understand it. And I'll never forget Brother Mullins explaining them the difference between Easter and Christmas. 
And, and, and they, 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 they didn't even grasp the concept. See, we've gone so material with things, have we not? Even with Easter and, and Christmas. I mean, even with Easter. I mean, my goodness, I, I'm waiting. Uh, the Christmas tree should be up next week, right? <laughs> you go to Lowe's. And I heard the one lady say, hey, all the Christmas stuff is in. I figured, you know, how many of you ever watched Charlie Brown and, and it's Easter and up on the thing, it says, you know, 269 days till Christmas. You know what I mean? And uh, you see that in the background. That's kind of where we are, isn't it? And the thing of it is, it's become so material that we really forget why we're doing what we're doing. And you think about it for a moment, what is this all about? So then the scriptures teach us that the resurrection of Jesus, and that's the, what the person must believe according to the Bible, thou shalt be saved. They believe, they confess, and they are not ashamed of that belief. In Romans 9, he said, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's an internal thing. It's not something that we can visually see in someone's life. You know, we baptized Becky this morning. How many could see the salvation in her? You couldn't see it, could you? We're taking her word that she trusted Christ, amen? And the reason I baptize people is because they confess Jesus Christ as Savior, amen? That's the reason you get baptized. You don't get baptized to get saved. You get baptized because you are saved. And I can't, I can't see her salvation. Now, what can I see? I can see the fruit from her salvation. Amen. I can see things begin to happen. I can see uh, the work in her life and those kinds of things. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. It, it, it's with the heart that they believe. They, they, it's not something you can see. And of course, we talk about our heart all the time. And we're really talking about that internal man, that portion of man you cannot see. You can't see my salvation. I can't open up and say, hey, check it out. It's not there. You don't see it. But you can see it in the life of people. You can see the change in their lives. And so that's what they're looking for. But whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. And that's what I'm trying to challenge us with. Throughout the scriptures, folks, listen, the Bible clearly teaches us that we ought not be ashamed of our salvation. We ought not be ashamed of our testimony of Christ. We ought not be ashamed to share that with other people. And listen, sometimes we are. We just get to that place and we're more concerned about what those people might think about us than we are about the Christ who saved us. And he says in Matthew 10, 32 and 33, he said, For whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my father which is in heaven but whosoever shall deny me before men him will I also deny before my father which is in heaven and the fact is is that we ought to confess him we ought to share it with others listen tell people about Jesus amen and and you say man you know pastor that's a little fanatical I want to tell you we get fanatical about a lot of things in our lives and and why not about Christ let's share the gospel you know, believing is faith. That's to entrust, especially spiritually. You know, the well-being of that person being entrusted to Christ. Isn't that wonderful? I mean, that's what happens to them. And they turn their soul over to Jesus Christ. And, 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 and just, it's such a wonderful commitment. How then does this take place in a person? And what do they do? If they want to go to heaven, they confess and believe and they call upon his name. It's not hard. It's not hard. We don't need to make it more difficult. And I'm not talking about just, you know, simple salvation in the sense of say this prayer and you're saved. That's not what I'm talking about. They have to believe in Jesus Christ. Amen. Because the prayer doesn't save them. It's who they're praying to that saves them. And I'm not talking about, well, you just say this prayer and you're going to heaven. That's not how it works. It's who did you pray and ask to save you? And it has to be Christ. And you think about it. So here's the thing. Let's make that personal effort. Let's reach people with this message. Let's pray that the Lord will bring forth revival. The last thing is this. It's necessary to educate the person about prayer of faith in Christ. And this is just calling on his name. You know, when I look at this, it says in verse 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
And he said, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? You know, that drives us to missions, doesn't it? But what about our mission field here? And listen, I, I love missions. I, I just do. I think it's the greatest thing ever. I, I love being a part of missions. I think it's what the church ought to be doing. And the more we do toward missions, I believe God blesses the local church. <laughs> He'll do things for the local church that otherwise I don't think would happen. Because, and, and I'm so grateful that we do faith promise here. I really am. Because some people just take a portion of their, uh, of their annual budget and they never give to missions what they could. <laughs> and I'm so grateful that we give to missions the way that we do here. I'm grateful that we do it through faith promise. Amen. And, and what we can do in missions is just amazing and what God can accomplish in all of that. And, and when I look at this and I see this, how then shall they call upon him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher. And you say, that is talking about you, Pastor. No, it's talking about us taking the message out to the community. Amen. And we live in a very religious community, and religion will send more people to hell than anything, folks. They need Christ, not religion. Amen? They need to know who Jesus Christ is. That's who does the saving. When I think about this, God's not concerned about their background or the person or their race or their social status or their wealth. And the Bible states that in Acts 10.34, God is no respecter of persons and neither should we be. We should be no respecter of persons. Morgan Zwicker and I, years ago, <clears throat> we went up <clears throat> and they got a place called uh, Carl's Ice Cream. It actually made it onto one of the, the HGTV things or the Food Network or whatever. And I mean, people stand in line for hours to get Carl's Ice Cream. Now, I'll tell you, I, I did it, I had it, and I'm not sure what the to-do is. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it was good. I'm not thinking it's that good. Now, maybe it is, and I just don't know my ice cream that well. But I remember doing that. But as we were leaving, <clears throat> there was a gentleman walking along the street, and I rem I'm reminded, my dad used to say this all the time. He used to tell me all the time, he said, don't judge people until you walk in another man's shoes. You walk in another man's shoes, you'll find out what they're going through. He said, you hold your tongue, boy. And I saw a man standing on the street as we came out of Carl's Ice Cream, and he just looked horrible. I mean, he was just, you know, just ridden from the streets and, I mean, long beard. And, and, and I told Morgan to stop. He said, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to see if he needs something. And he said, Pastor, that man looks like he's drunk. I said, I don't care. I said, let me out. I said, you can go on your way if you want to. I said, I can get a ride back. He goes, no, no, I'll wait for you. He goes, and, he, and, and I, I said, well, let's put him in the truck. He goes, I'm not putting that man in my truck. And I love Morgan. I said, Morgan, we need to go get this guy some help, man. I could see he was stumbling and falling and everything. Morgan agreed, so we took him over. We got him a meal at Arby's. Now, I won't give people money. Did you hear me? I don't give them money. You give them money, and they're going to do stuff with that money that they shouldn't be doing with it. <laughs> he said he was hungry. And I figure if a man's hungry, Arby's is a pretty good place to eat. Amen? Amen? Because they got the meat. I see the ads. They got the meat, man. So I take him over to Arby's and we feed the man and I give him a copy of the gospel. I could smell the alcohol on him. I knew that he was in that condition, that he was in that state. God is no respecter of persons. I don't care what their condition is. They need Christ. We need to be willing to pray and ask God to lead us when we do stuff like that because, you know, you don't want to get yourself in danger in any shape or form, but certainly we need to witness to people. Amen. 
God's no respecter of persons. So what is this call? Well, it's a prayer of faith, a summons for a decision. You're calling upon God. You're appealing to the Lord. That's what they're doing. They're, they're going to court, if you will. <laughs> and they're throwing themselves on the mercy of the court, aren't they? <laughs> and, and, and the court says, okay, we're going to forgive what you're going through. Isn't Jesus wonderful? <laughs> he says, I'll forgive you for all of it. And, and I look at this and I think about this. He said, and, and, and I just want to challenge you. He said, <clears throat> you know, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's some powerful words, isn't it? That's a definite. If you call upon him, he'll save you. <laughs> that is such definite words. And it's so wonderful the way God writes the scriptures. And, and, and I think about the shed blood and this is the plan. And, you know, man wants to come up with their own plan. They, they, they want to find their own way to heaven. They think their own good works. Or they think that some other God or that these multiple gods, that there's the God of the sky and the God of the sun and the God of the moon and the God of the water and the God of this and the God of the fish and the God of the... You know what? There's but one God. Amen. Amen. And his name's Jesus Christ. And, and listen, we ought to be bold about that. Amen. In the beginning, God. Amen. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God did these things. And, and he put the things on the earth. And he put the fowl in the air and the fish in the sea and the beast in the field. He's the one that put the firmament there. He's the one that put the moon and the stars and the sky. He put it all together. Amen. And then he made us <laughs> out of the dust of the earth. What an amazing God we serve. And I look at all of this, and when I call upon him, it says shall be. And you know what that word, that word shall is so wonderful. You know what it means? God has obligated himself to that soul that calls upon him. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? God's obligated himself back to us. He is our God. And he obligated himself. And it says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be what? Say, God obligated himself back to us by saying, if you'll do this, I'll do this for you. Amen. It's an obligation he placed upon himself, isn't it? And he fulfilled it by the death of his only begotten son. He fulfilled it. When, when we think about this, when a person confesses with the mouth and believes in the heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, that individual calls upon the name of the Lord and God obligates himself to fulfill that promise. <laughs> That's a wonderful God. Ephesians 2, 4 through 7, But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, he hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are ye saved. Amen. The grace of God. Beautiful thing. Listen, that's the message that we need to take out here in the community. We ought to do it with joy and not with grief. We ought to do it with excitement and not dread. We ought to do it not ashamed but in excitement and joy for who Christ is. We ought to reach out to people. Those of you that are saved, one of the things that we ought to heed is just let's give this truth to other people. And I believe all the members of Calvary here, we have a personal responsibility before God. We all do, not just me. I'm talking about us as a church body. Corporately, we have a responsibility before God to get this message out to the world. And you say, well, we're doing that. We, we make the tracks. I'm not talking about just making the tracks. I'm talking about taking the tracks. I'm I'm not talking about just taking the tracks. I'm talking about giving them to else, someone else, taking it to them, sharing with them. We've got this meeting coming up, and this young man, he's going to come and preach. And by the way, he's going to preach the gospel. <laughs> he's not going to preach some other gospel. He's going to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And, and whether we have family that's backslidden or we have family that's not saved or we have co-workers that are saved and backslidden or we have people that we know that need to be in the house of the Lord, the gospel is going to be preached. Listen, God's word will not return void in the hearts of people. Amen? Regardless of what's being preached from this Bible, God's word will not return void. And when I look at this, all the members of Calvary, you have this responsibility. And our life and our lifestyle ought to share that with other people as well. Not just the words we say, but how we behave while we're out in the community. So what do we need to rely on God for? Well, I think he gives us the wisdom. I think he gives us the courage. <laughs> and I think as we pray and we ask God, Lord, help us not to let something else control us. Let the Spirit of God control us we got to ask to be spirit-filled as we go out and we ask people, listen, I'm not done with Ernesto. I want him here. How many of you want to see Ernesto here on Sunday morning? Amen. Won't you pray that way? I'm going to go get him again. Listen, he knows uh, all these uh, ladies over at, uh, at uh, uh, Minster Bank. They go over there all the time. And, 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 and listen, uh, Anita went over there the other day, and Anita gave him one of these. And then we showed up, and I was over there with Jack Craiger the other night, and I gave him one of these. Amen. You know, it would be great on Sunday morning <laughs> if he showed up, and then Sunday afternoon all of us show up and give him one of these. Amen. Wouldn't that be fun? And we all show up, and Ernesto's like, what in the world's going on? <laughs> but we just keep reaching out to him, letting him know that we love him. Let them know that they need Christ. Let's make a per per uh, personal effort. Let's, let's do something about it. Let's, let's do our part. Heads are bowed, eyes are bowed.